You're listening to Red Truth and White Lies, a podcast of two Canada's. Brought to you by Two Row Coffee Company, where coffee and culture connect. www.tworowcoffeeco.ca Listen on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker, and YouTube. Follow on Instagram at The Credible Mohawk. Subscribe to The Credible Mohawk Entertainment on YouTube and be entered into the hundreds giveaway. You will be entered in for a 10 ounce bag of coffee, as well as Dread Truth and White Lies hoodie and a coffee mug. Today on episode one, the journey begins. We'll, ta- we'll be talking about who we are and the topics we'll cover, such as Land Back Lane, First Nations Water Crisis, Pipelines. I'm Mohawk Turtle Clan Andrew Brandt. And I am Wolf Clan Nathan Thomas. And I'm Settler Ally Nick LaMarche. Today on episode one, The Journey Begins, we are speaking and with our friend Nick LaMarche on uh, what his views on decolonization may be. Nick, uh, can you give us some of your views, please? Yeah, I can. Thanks, Nathan. Um, my views of decolonization is basically taking the mindset that you have been raised with and just kind of deconstructing the ideologies of superiority and privilege in that within that for the Western thought and just kind of approach it one by one and analyze it and pick it apart and see that, you know, it needs to be dismantled and, and the structures that perpetuate that status quo, uh, it really start to address the unbalanced power dynamics that exist within the colonial society. Now, on the other hand, it can also involve valuing and revitalizing indigenous knowledge. Um, you know, several other ways that people need to be realized of the impact that colonialism has on indigenous people is part of that decolonization as well. So I guess what, uh, when we're really looking at it, there's a whole different culture to the way that a settler would look at decolonization. And, you know, would you say that, you know, a lot of it's political? Oh, absolutely. To um, environmental groups, the way they see decolonization, they want to leave a lot of uh, like politics out of it. Do you think that's uh, the right way to go? Uh. It's very, very political issue. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, we've all seen it, you know, the, the uprisings on television our entire life in Canada through all generations. And it's always a political issue. You know, the government is always involved with that. The police are always involved with it. News is right there. And, you know, it's exploded wide open. And, and it's, a, it's a deeply infused political issue already. So I can't say that it's a good or bad way to do it it's a it's a process that needs to be reviewed and looked at because the ideals that exist within a colonial political system don't work within an indigenous political system such as the Haudenosaunee Confederacy where females are matriarchs because that doesn't work in colonialism no it doesn't not at all but uh what happened was like they the Americans they did take their constitution they totally ripped it apart and they literally had people there in philadelphia um like they had chiefs upstairs Mm -hmm. right and they had them go up 
there, they, as they were signing the constitution, they would go upstairs, ask questions, come back down. And um, the way that they did it was they took their ideals and their mindsets that came from the colonial world and implemented those into the Guyana Goa, the, the great law, mm -hmm. right? So they, they utilized that and they turned that against us. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. way of thinking mindset. Decolonization is all that too, you know? Yes, exactly. And it's the same way that the church assimilated the, the ancient tribes in Europe that I've talked about in the past, you know, my ancestors, a lot of the settlers here, their ancestors. Uh, it's been long forgotten about it because nobody cares anymore. And the same ideals exist within our state here, the government, the, polit the political system. And it's just, it's an entire big fat ball of just wrongdoing that needs to be picked apart ideologically one by one and look at it and and feel that pain and embrace it and don't be afraid to come to terms with it and get out there and talk to indigenous people and learn about it it's not disrespectful and there's nothing to be afraid of you know i, I was like that when i moved to to brantford i was afraid of native people because my my in-laws and my co-workers told me to stay away from them be careful when you go on the reserve you know, right. it's just, it's an ideal. Um, and I come from an area where people think, what the hell do I got to help those people for? You know, and I had that mentality. And right. so before we uh, go a little bit farther into it, let's just, um, so people have an idea why this question is so important for our first podcast. Yeah. So is the different backgrounds that we come from. Um, mm -hmm. Nathan and I, we go, uh, we go way back. Yeah, um, we actually shut our school down. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did for uh, a whole afternoon, I believe, before uh, they finally had the principal and uh, uh, vice principal yeah. come and ask to speak with us and say, why are we uh, shutting the whole school down, if you will? And we were just upset at the fact that it was around Harvest Festival time. Yeah and we weren't allowed to uh celebrate that's right there was nothing for us there was nothing for us absolutely nothing so we wanted to be recognized during that time <clears throat> as uh sovereign ask. people yeah we couldn't ask and we couldn't ask and we, we were there, we, the student council wouldn't do anything student council did nothing so we were done asking at that point actually and we like we didn't even close it down on purpose no we just kind it of inadvertently yeah it was inadvertently <laughs> we did our own thing then we said we're gonna have our own harvest festival then if you will yeah we were just down by the road and we were talking and you know we just brought our rattles and stuff like that and started singing through the hallways and you know people knew what was going to happen so they just started coming out of the hallways and like dancing with us we ended up filling up to the cafeteria we did we filled up the gym actually yeah, we took the school <laughs> we took the school with us. we did so, uh, it wasn't long after uh the principal and vice principal came and heard us out and understood where we were coming from then and realized we were being 100 percent serious with our actions yeah, we that were, we were we were dead serious yeah what we were going uh going through uh, we weren't just some kids making some noise we were like, following through with what we were saying we were going to do right so so once that happened and all that was initiated finally we were granted if you will um 
a one day, I guess, yeah. for Harvest Festival, and we were able to have an entire afternoon. Yeah, so then out of that, well, we uh, took that planning group and we turned it into a Mohawk Council. Yeah, we did. We turned it into Mohawk Student Council then. Yeah, so then the uh, the non-Indigenous students had their council that whoever wanted to be on could be on. We had our Indigenous Student Council that could whoever wanted to be on it could be on it. You know, it was open. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we literally had that uh, nation-to-nation relationship going on. We established that there, and it's still going on, like at least that I know of. They still hold their have have their ceremonies and different things like that. Their little festival days and yeah, and like before that, they had nothing. Yeah, absolutely that. nothing. So yeah, we ended up starting that kind of stuff. We've been at it for a minute. We've been at it for quite a minute. Yeah, it was in Caledonia, wow. two thousand six. Like, but yeah, it's been. All over, you, know, you were at Culbertson too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, we were there, like we we're land back, like everything. So right. it's that's, been wow, that's awesome, guys. <laughs> wow, yeah. it's something else to hear that. Uh, you guys are obviously in high school, you know, youth back then making a stand, and we can look at the youth now making a stand, which is, is great to see. Um, and, and it should happen more uh, with their community support as well as allies' action. Yeah, so that's a little bit of the background on, you know, as we've been following our way forever, um, yep. you know. Well, uh, we basically only know our way, really. Yeah, we grew up that way. <laughs> we were taught that way, shown that way, and, you know, anything else is just, like, really, if we got, it's like, seriously, when we got into any other situation, like, non-Indigenous cultural situations, like, Christian stuff, like, it'd be, would be okay, but it'd be weird. It would be very just, uncomfortable. It'd just be un- yeah, it'd be uncomfortable or yeah. awkward because it's like, you know, we literally feel like you don't belong there. Well, you know you don't belong <laughs> right? there. And you so... can feel it right in your bones. All yeah. that. It's well, like the generational trauma is like, boom, as soon as you walk through them church doors. <laughs> not just that, but then you also feel like you're being stared at. Like, why are, why are you here? Exactly. Like, yeah. So that's even, even more uh, detriment to one's so uh, mental health yeah like growing up and going through that it makes you think well fuck i don't belong anywhere then right exactly so yeah we uh we stuck to our songs we stuck to our words we stuck to our language we stuck to our names we stuck to all that because you know that's just the way it was and that's all we knew you know so um the whole idea of decolonization to us maybe a different thing than it might be to you right mm-hmm. because well it's not different but it is like it's a mindset that needs to be changed and like you said it's all about the ideals and you know um the power where the power lies and how to invite revitalize indigenous knowledge and how do you bring all those things together with the western lies that you've been taught so here's a bit of a taboo question for nick nick if you will how much do you feel religion is involved in the decolonization of the native peoples with the early settlers as well. So like how much of an impact did colonization or did religion have? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I worded that maybe a little bit wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, you know, articulating the response. Uh, I look at it, you know, and I didn't know what a residential school was until I moved to Brantford. Uh, 2009 I learned about it I uh, moved there in 08 but um, it, it's had a huge impact on 
the entire society. I, I hear stories and I, I've read a couple books that uh, I can't remember the, the titles and they were just really short accounts um, from people that went to the Mohawk Institute and just the treatment, like one of the guys literally wrote in there that him and his brother were best friends. Uh, they were only about a year apart, but they were in the same class because the classes were small and, and you know, they were, they both experienced the same verbal and physical and, and mental oppression and abuse and um, a lot of sexual abuse and, and things like that. And, but one of the things that really stood out was when he wrote this, he says, to this day, I'm still afraid to be an Indian. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot like, like I it, remember it just shook me up inside so much. <clears throat> I remember um, people being like that when I was younger. And still to this day, there's people that still, you know, are kind of like weird about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they're starting to be a little bit more out there and proud of it, but you know, back in the day, even, uh, even with me, you know, even, oh no, I, I look indigenous. So I'd get teased, teased for it, or it didn't look indigenous enough. Like, you know, it was either one or the other. Yeah. So it was, and it was all coming from non-indigenous people, you know, yeah, only, you know, I've, I've heard it in school growing up, even, even where I lived as an adult, where I worked and, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Um, right. So that's another thing too. That was another interesting thing. Give us a little background on uh, because you're like, like in the bio, people check out uh, the on the crediblemohawk.com. We have the podcast section where you can click on it and uh, see red truth and white lies right there underneath beside the tracks. Um, there's Nick's bio in there, and he was part of the Canadian Military Reserve. So, um, Nick, what was it? What's it like going from that to this? <laughs> um so uh when you turn the lights off in a room and turn them on that's what it is literally dark to light and it's um uh, think of it like star wars you know i went from the dark side to the good side you know <laughs> <laughs> like crossed but, over yeah it's when i was that age uh young and dumb and just didn't know any better wanted to know be a, a brainwashed whitewashed flag loving patriotic soldier that you know i stand on guard for thee you know i sang my mantra in school every day before class they call it the anthem uh, right you know, i saluted the government's flag and it, it's 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 a mindset that you're literally brainwashed with and yeah. when, when i had my little i had a spiritual awakening that's what happened in the mountains and when i saw that you know getting off the drugs really opened my eyes to it but when i left the military i was just get i was early 20s when i left the reserves and i was still young and stupid and foolish with the government and the ways but i learned that they don't care about us they only care about themselves and they only care about their money um yeah it's it's always been like that and the oppressive tactics that they use, all the laws and bylaws and all these things on us, they try to impose on the Uncle Hoe, you know, the indigenous people, because they have a, they still have the spiritual connection, you know, you, we, that people that are waking up gain. So people like me are, you know, I'm dangerous to their society with how I think and what I say, because I have a spiritual connection that I've been able to rebuild and, and understand and, follow it and 
looking yeah. at that now as compared to how I was, like, I look at it like, wow, I can't believe I was like that. And, yeah. and, and I, how I feel vibrationally, it's, I, I'm blessed every day. You know, I'm thankful every day before I didn't care about anybody but me. I'd wake up miserable and cussing and swearing. And now, yeah, every day is a beautiful day. I don't care if it's raining and snowing. I'm alive. You know, I'm on the, I'm on the green side of the grass. It's a beautiful day. You don't have any more uh, colonial oppressor to worry about pleasing anymore. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, I don't care what other there's, people say. Uh, there, like, there's the laws that you had to um, enforce or whatever, like the things that you had to do, laws that you have to follow, laws that mm -hmm. settlers in general have to follow. Um, they are completely different from the kind of laws that we have as Indigenous people because the laws that we have are very open, um, very more, much more, like when you look at the great law, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like when you look at a great law, it's like, this is how you should act. These are your roles. These are your responsibilities. And this is what's up, you know? Whereas any laws that are created um, by the Canadian government, so-called by so-called Canada, <laughs> um, all of their things are meant to oppress, meant to put people away. Their first police force was actually created based on um, their oppressors back in Ireland and Scotland, you know, yeah. Wales, all those, like all that was formed and brought over here. And yeah. the, or the Royal Western Mounted Police were formed. They're now the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and they're still doing the exact same thing that they've been doing for generations, right? They yeah. just changed their uniforms. Them and CN police. Yeah, them and the CN police. They're like the Gestapo. Oh they're yeah. private. They're private police. Like that's how the OPP became. The OPP actually was from the CN police, and then uh, yeah, uh, they tried to uh, form that to uh, make sure to keep us on our own reserves, right? Yep, and they did, and uh, that was one of the things that happened here, actually, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that we talked about when we were down at the tracks was how CN put their line through our land without permission. They actually killed people. Mm. Like, so yeah, um, it's not, it's not a long time ago that this stuff has happened. And like Nick had mentioned, right. Nick, you just had learned about residential schools not too long ago. Like the last one only closed in 1996. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, we weren't taught about it at all. Uh, in school um, we were taught about treaties and treaty dates uh, kind of what they meant um, the Indians were right. warring people like this is what we were taught like that direct word was in the textbooks the I word <laughs> not the good <laughs> I word but the bad I word you know, right but did they teach them. you what they meant or did they teach you what they interpreted them to mean they, they taught us what is the way it's written in the American history books um that you know, the natives are savages, and they they're always warring with each other. They can't get along. Some of them had political systems, but they broke down among one another with civil uh, uncivil squabbling. And there was, they would they would burn their their houses down, or they would kill each other in the night, or you know they would uh, um, try and uh, discredit them in the community so they lose their seats and. They're yeah. warring people, they're cannibals. And, you know, this is in our, our textbooks, but never did I learn about a residential school. Uh, the Haldeman Proclamation, I had no idea what that was. Literally, literally, absolutely not a clue until a year ago. I had no <laughs> idea. 
yeah it, that's so, how that's how ignorant i was towards everything it's it's not ignorant isn't rude but just no just ignorant as you didn't know right you i didn't aware. know yeah i wasn't aware of it um, so miseducation with uh both the canadian and the american government do you feel is a huge 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 problem absolutely i do it's a racist because you don't problem. know any of this right well, yeah yeah and like we see how society is on your own absolutely i have all the information's out there you know i have people that well how'd you learn all this where's the information it's hidden oh it's not man google it books yeah. about residential schools you get 50 come up and you can buy them all on amazon yeah uh, like, like yeah the information's out there it's just not given to us because they don't want us to learn the truth because once we learn the truth we see their lies right exactly that's the, whole, that's the whole basis behind the podcast exactly the red truth and the truth of it is is these residential schools they go as old as canada you know yeah yeah they were started uh in the they were started before 1867 they were before that they were called uh something else but after yeah. after 1867 it was sir john a Macdonald. And yeah, was, and the uh, name was changed. Ryerson. That's when they were uh, missionary schools. Yeah, they were missionary schools, yes. and then they turned into residential schools after 1867, and then after 1876, we were forced into going to them. Yeah, like yeah, this, that's 1876 was when the Indian Act was implemented. Right. So, yeah, and and people can be patriotic all they want to the the government's flag or to their. And that's what they're being patriotic too. Yeah, and that's what it exactly what it is. They can they can see that flag and yeah, yeah, this is a great thing. You know, I, I'm being spoon fed convenience. But when, in, when it all comes down to it, the government's not here for the people. They never have been. When we look at that flag, the red on that is the blood of our ancestors. Yeah. I think uh there was a, a Haudenosaunee chief that actually went up way back in the um when they were in the sixties when they were doing the flag yeah uh josie strong i think his name was and they asked him what he thought about the maple leaf up on the flag and he looked at it and was quiet for a bit and he just said leaves fall and he walked out that and makes I, sense yeah and i heard that i'm like that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, it was just amazing to, to hear that story. And I'm like, absolutely. And, and, you know, more people like us, settlers, allies, that they're awake. Uh, we spread the word, but it needs to be spread in a way that it's not on a keyboard. Yeah. It, it's, you know, you need to take action, direct action. You know, having, you know, Dali was said it great in, the, in her podcast with you on Beside the Tracks, that one. And, you know, having you can do all that stuff that's great but i've been doing it for so long and it doesn't go anywhere yeah yeah so you need to start doing something and we talked about that you have to be uh, willing to actually like be arrested <laughs> because we as indigenous people um we put ourselves out there and we don't have a choice you know yeah. that's our that's our land we don't have anywhere else to go we can't just okay well i'm here i'm gonna go home you know uh oh cops are coming i'm gonna go home now you know, like we don't have that because that is our home. That's, mm -hmm. that's where we're from. That's, you know, we don't have anywhere else to go. That's what we need to defend. That's where we're going to be. So when the cops yeah. come take this away, it's like that meme where Mo's throwing out Barney and Barney's coming in right up behind him again, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> like we are, like, 
and then we see like we see that immediately especially like right now with what happened last week out west um, the kids took out took over those buildings those those insurance buildings and you know like the youth standing up like obviously you know our elders have done something right they should be proud and like i'm proud because like hopefully we did something right too you know because they're they're out there they're doing something and you know and it's great yeah it is great to see them standing up and it needs to happen and and people allies need to not be afraid to get in on that because you know you have the choice use that privilege because like we said in in beside the tracks you probably get off the charge Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah you probably will uh delee even said that on on there and it was pretty funny and she actually posted uh, a great video on her uh, instagram page on uh, wet sweat and checkpoint and it showed uh, a white protest there. I think it was like last year or something. I don't know. There was a whole bunch of cops standing there. They didn't move. They didn't move at all. Uh, there was white people there and indigenous people. But when the young kids were in the insurance buildings, it was just disgusting. Now, like, we, we're oppressed. What's that? Sorry. There are about 70 cops in there. Most of them didn't have masks on. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the video. It was just pretty sad. Now, in our culture, in Western cultures, in settler society, we we're oppressed because the reason why people don't want to push that extra edge, I don't want to get arrested because I'll lose my job. I'll lose my, I'll lose everything if I get arrested. You know, like if you get incarcerated, you're like automatically get fired from a lot of employment, like wherever you work, it's automatic. You'll get fired. So first of all, the first freedom you lose is your financial freedom. If you lose your job. So right. it's a th- it's a threat to that type of freedom, so-called freedom. Right. The second one, the second one is going to be a further on that because of legal fees. Now the that's kind of like a, a B to that, but the real true second one that rings home is you know if you're a small business owner or you have children and you're a single parent and you get arrested, now you have to deal with CAS because you're considered a, a terrorist or a criminal dealing with with other things so now you have to deal with that aspect of it you might have your kids taken away so the reason why a lot of settlers don't want to stand up is they're scared to lose all these freedoms or these ideals of freedom that they have because under their system they have nothing else well then there was bill c51 too that uh, stephen harper put out where if you uh, go and basically if it's like you go stand up against the government you're a terrorist yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so then there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all these laws that the government writes, they're a, th- a law like that that protects the government against protests like that is actually illegal. Yeah. It's it's a tire it's a tyrant law. And it it's I, I look at it and I, I'd wipe my butt with it in the first chance I had. Literally I would. I don't care. I could care less about it. Uh, for, for the simple <laughs> fact that the government is is committing literal genocide it's a massive human rights issue uh, australia is speaking out about it this past week i've seen and and all the un countries are starting to speak out about it but canadians are so blind to it because they got the tv turned on and a handheld in their in their in their hand and they're afraid that's right what we need is mass mobilization everybody everywhere do something yes. you know stand up Yes. You know, I, I have a few protests up my sleeve. I'm not going to get into details, um, yeah. but they'll happen and happen. And surprise, we're here. 
Um, but yeah. it's it's not protest anymore. We just say no, enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that needs to happen with with settler allies. You know, get off the keyboard, uh, get out there. You know, sorry, you, get, you get tossed into jail for a couple of days. Um, you know what? Wear it like a badge of honor because you're plugging up their system. You're costing them money when you're going through the legal system. You are costing yourself money. Just take a free lawyer or represent yourself. You don't really lose any money. I've been saying that for a year. Take up the take it in there and like plug yeah. up their system. Yeah, plug up the system, and if you don't like the counsel you're given, request a different one, and they'll they'll keep giving you one because you have that right. If they deny that right, then it's a big issue. You know, it doesn't matter if you're white or brown, but you, know, if if you have a different color skin than white, you're going to have a hassle in the in in the legal system. Yeah, but the last time I went into a court with a prosecutor, I basically laid it out how it was with like our systems, his systems, and walked out shook his hand and nothing happened <laughs> yeah like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's not hard you know they're they're people too but i mean but like you get the ones that are like ah well you know what I, I can't even deal with this you're right i'm out <laughs> yeah but most of them don't have a good mind and they would rather continue the oppressive tactics that are <laughs> prevalent in that in that system <coughs> a lot of our uh, territorial police are like that all over Canada. They're crazy. RCMP are around, but there's police killing people, man. Like, it's insane. Decolonizing, yeah. it's all about changing your mindset from a colonial way of thinking to a cultural way of thinking. Exactly. It's it's a way to literally think outside your, your box. Everybody's got a closed mind, brainwashed into this system systemic ideal, and they, uh, they're afraid to get to the self, That's get right. back That's to right. self enough to heal, to get back to spirit in enough of a way to dismantle their ideals. And once they start dismantling that ideals, they can see that the system is full of lies and do exactly what that system fears is stand up with Ngohoe across Turtle Island and That's dismantle right. that colonial system or at least change it so that it's not so privileged based on it's it's basically equal you know right. there's no democracy that privilege privilege can definitely be used though and right. like with uh especially when you talk about like the land and stuff like that that's where our laws come from our laws come from that so like you're a farmer mm-hmm. now <laughs> um so you do that and so you understand the importance of what the quality of the land is what where to grow your food like nate you you get that stuff right like you understand like the importance of this especially when you grow other stuff too yeah exactly like the uh nick the importance of good fertile land how that affects your uh seed growth yeah so all that like all the farmers should be standing up with people as well because (laughs) like how many uh white cities are polluting it to the point where you can't grow anything because it's a concrete jungle now right yeah exactly yeah, exactly and then you have all these racist people that are out there somewhere run, killing people in their you know like holton bushy got shot you know like yeah. you got all these farms you know you should be standing up with these and why people because like you said nick that indigenous knowledge that indigenous ecological knowledge that we hold is important it needs to be carried on well, the problem with the, the agricultural system is it's it's been infused with 
colonial ideals. And that started uh, back when farming was industrialized uh, in the early 1900s, more machines mean more product, which, you know, that creates an ideal uh, of greed and, and productivity and money and, you know, <coughs> that industrial revolution, they call it, uh, but agricultural revolution is what this was. And another thing that really screwed it up was in the early 2000s, late 90s, was the, the new thing. They didn't call it GMO back then. They called it Roundup Ready. And it was just soybeans that were coming up in here. And within five to six years, I saw a lot of my farmer friends who were monocrop culture people that used to grow natural beans, wheat, corn, and things like that, switch over to this Roundup Ready, and they lost their shirt. Oh, really? Or they got sick. Yeah, because the system basically oppressed them to the point where they weren't allowed to keep seeds. It's illegal. If they had any type of Roundup seeds in their field under the patents that they have on this life, it's illegal for them to have it. And it's now property of Monsanto. Like, are you kidding me? You're controlling. That's that's control of the food system. Yeah. Right. There. You know, um, it, it's the monoculture ideal in that in that agricultural revolution ideal of productivity is better than uh, quality, right? The more money I make, the better it is. I don't look at what I do as that. Um, and I'm not a monoculture, I'm a polyculture, which means I grow everything, a little bit of everything. And we have beef, pork, chicken, rabbits. Um, we have uh, a, a warm greenhouse. We have a cold greenhouse. We have a passive solar heated greenhouse. We have another two acres of garden beds that are out for summer use, plus 10 acres of pasture for the cows, pigs, and chickens to graze on and go through. So what we do here, we don't dump chemicals on anything. And that's what monoculture farming does and GMO farming. We yeah. feed our soil. Yeah, we feed the soil with exactly what it needs. You know, that mycelium culture, we cultivate that. We collect uh, bacterial cultures or, or other fungal cultures and spores and we proliferate those. We'll take young shoots of plants and ferment those and feed that back as a fertilizer. We use lactic acid bacteria. Uh, we use compost from the animals. Um, sounds gross, but I save my own urine and ferment that and water that on my lettuce. And like, I grow massive, delicious tasting lettuce and there's so much rabbit poop and pee on it for the nitrogen to grow it that, and, and the bacteria in the soil feed that plant we don't feed our plants we feed our soil and when we build the soil and feed that biome that heals the earth in that area and that's the connection that farmers need to get back with the earth they don't have that they've lost that every single farmer around here that grows corn soybeans and wheat they don't grow their own food they go to the grocery store to buy it and that is the craziest idea to me <laughs> would you uh take a couple million dollars just to run a teeny weeny pipeline through there would i yeah uh no if I did, I'd take it and then use it as kindling to burn the politician's house down. <laughs> take that motherfucker. I'm glad we have the bleep button. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just a hypothetical thing. No, yeah. I wouldn't want in 100, 100, 100 years. You know, I know a farmer that's got an easement on his land when Enbridge Pipe was coming through here. And if you look at Google Maps, you can see it run right to the corner of his farm. I mean, that pipe is eight feet under the ground. It's four feet in diameter. And there's 100,000 gallons of raw crude oil for the tar sands being pumped through it down into the refineries that are in 
uh, Niagara Falls area and, and, and out east. <coughs> so they, he's got that in his plan. He, I think he told me he got $800,000 for it and then he gets another $35,000 check every year from Enbridge just to have that on his property. Would I sell it out? Would I sell out my or somebody else's land for that? Never, ever, ever would I do that. So what happens then, Nick, if God forbid an accident ever happened on this guy's farm and the pipeline bursts then? Yeah. What would happen then? Would Enbridge be responsible for that? Yeah, they would be responsible for the cleanup. Um, there would obviously be a little bit of media coverage on it. They'll do you know, the typical oil company half-assed apology and generic response that, that they give. Yeah, yeah, we'll do our best. Sorry, our oil spilled right beside Niagara Falls. Like, <laughs> it's, actually, they, it's actually... It only powers, power. like, how much of the countries. Is a- Even though, like, how much yeah. do they, like, reassure you, like, leaks never happen, but... How many are leaking right now? How many are leaking right now, Nick? They leak. You know, they don't know. We don't know. And if anything does happen, that contaminates so much farmland. Everything. There, but, but also the aquifers in the ground. There's a lot of groundwater here. That's in Ancaster where this guy lives. Uh, I'm in the Dundas Valley. He's not too far outside of it. That's actually the, the, the southwestern edge of, of where the, the escarpment starts and the so-called mountain in Hamilton. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right at the tip in the middle is where i am so like if i stand in my back pasture i can see straight down the valley either side of me is is higher and i can see right down to the skyway bridge in burlington really so if god forbid again if anything ever happened then it would contaminate everyone's drinking water yeah it could potentially it'll flow downhill down into the harbor eventually and seep seep through all the rocks and all the farmers land around there and into the aquifers and contaminate the well water and and possibly people cisterns in the area um definitely harm the wildlife it'll definitely kill a lot of the soil biome uh it's it's very very detrimental to the earth to have these pipelines running absolutely Absolutely. so they can rub they can they can run the pipelines for oil through anywhere but they can't run any water pipelines through that's just great exactly it's it Let's you get know, into more detail about that water crisis next week. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be great that. to talk about. And then, like, you've been down to land back and stuff like that. You go down there every so often, just out uh, the six by six. Yeah, six by six is now called Plank Road Culture Village. Um, there's there's ideas around that to to make it more of a, a community center based idea. Uh, it's it's considered uh, six nations territory now so it, it is a safety area to be if you are interested in in coming down and meeting some of the land defenders and talking to them or, or bringing donations or some food down uh, yeah. wear a mask covid social distancing of course and just keep in mind that they're in their bubble and you're in yours um, you know there are there are a lot of meal runners that are helping down there and it's great to see like when i'm down there there's so much food you know it's always help yourselves the hospitality is wonderful you have any questions they'll they're, a lot of them are happy to talk to you and answer a lot of them are busy you know skylar is a busy guy um, um so are the the people that are helping him around there um as for land back i i don't go out there just for the simple fact of the uh um the injunctions that are there and 
what I do here, like I've been followed. I've, I've had aerial surveillance fly over the farm. Uh, it's Let's just, get into that. Let's get into that more next week. Yeah, we can, we can. So just, you know, going down there to help build morale, give them, you know, bring them some food, bring us some warm clothes, hot coffee once in a while, just literally, you know, chew the fat, sit there and talk for a few hours. That's just, great. Yeah, it's it's important to do that, build that nation-to-nation relationship. And people need to not be afraid to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like you said, there's still some people that have that concept <clears throat> in their head where they're the scary Indians and this and that. But free <laughs> media does. That's why people should listen to this podcast every Tuesday at 5 o'clock p.m. on all six podcast radio or podcast stations as well as YouTube every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Nick. that's right. So next week we're going to be every getting Tuesday, into, Nathan. Yeah, every Tuesday we're going to be getting into the or well next week we'll be getting into the First Nations water crisis, a little bit from land back, what's going on there, and we'll t- continue our decolonization talk because you know that's a never-ending discussion, and of course you know the basis of this podcast is a journey of decolonization. So it's been quite a while now. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So. Um, we'll let our listeners stew with that. Um, you know, so what is decolonization? They can think about that until the next time. I'm Andrew Brandt. And I'm Nathan Thomas. And I'm Nick LaMarche. You guys have a great night.